0: Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. Today I want to talk to you about how to get our kids to live in the moment. You know, it's very it's very in vogue right now to talk about mindfulness or talk about living in the now, and it's great in concept, uh, but I know for myself, I really struggled living in the moment. And it wasn't until all this horrible stuff happened to me that I really started to understand the impact of not living in the moment. Not living in the now, and how do we give that gift to our kids? And then I started realizing that this really helps anxiety and OCD. And I want to talk about my own experience through my grief and as I continue to grieve and probably will for the rest of my life, but just some of my um my aha's and how that translates to your child and what you can do to help them live in the moment and how that's really going to help their anxiety and OCD. So I'll go into why that will help, how it will help. And what do you do with that? How do you get a child to live in the moment? Cause we don't, we can't micromanage their brain. I mean, I always say that when it comes to OCD, right. And even anxiety, we don't get to choose whether they have mental compulsions or whether they have fears. We just get to help coach them through it. So uh, before we dive into that, I do want to say a big thank you to no who is sponsoring this episode. So no CD provides teletherapy to people with OCD and they provide teletherapy for children and teens with OCD, which is really cool because we desperately need more OCD therapists and something that they're doing for April. I don't know if we're going to be doing this next month, but if you, use, if you don't have insurance and you want to get an assessment and you want to get a comprehensive diagnostic assessment to determine maybe one, if your child has OCD or if it's impacting their life, you can use the coupon code Natasha 60, and you will get a 90 minute teletherapy session for just $60, which is crazy because normally those are hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So just use Natasha 60, and you can get started by booking a free 15 minute call to see if you even want to do that at www.nocd that's no cd.com, but it's spelled no cd.com. Okay, so let's move into today's episode. And I'm gonna talk about why this came about for me. And I have a lot of anxiety. (laughs) If you have listened to my podcast for a long period of time, you'd be like, yeah, Natasha, we kind of know about that. And grief does not help. But one thing that grief does do to you, and anyone who's had like a significant loss, like a partner or a spouse or child, someone in your family, in your immediate family that you live with every single day you'll know that you really can't do anything but live in the moment because your brain won't let you do anything else. Well, you'll live in the past as far as your memories of your loved one, but it's really hard to function. And so it takes all your energy to just eat that toast in the morning. It takes all my energy to just wake the kids up and get them fed. It's getting better over time. Initially, it would be really hard for me to even do anything for work, you know, a podcast. But this episode's not about that. So, what I realized is when I stay in the moment, when I'm really 100% connected, and I'm not thinking about other things and I'm not doing other things, I'm not multitasking because I literally can't right now. And I, one, am really enjoying more of what I'm doing in that moment. So, if I'm talking to someone, I'm really into the conversation because I'm 100% into this conversation because my brain won't let me even think about anything else. Or if I am helping my child with an art project or, you know, something that they're doing, I am a hundred percent into it because my brain's not letting me think about other things that has really reduced my anxiety, which is weird considering what's going on in my world right now, but I'm only thinking about what's happening in front of me. And so when we live in the moment, and I'm sure a lot of you obviously get this on an intellectual level, and maybe some of you live your life like this already. And you're like, yeah, I'm glad you're catching up Natasha. But when you're living only in the moment, and this is something we want to teach our kids and I'll explain why I can't live in the past of why did I say that? Why did I do that? The past of regrets. So whether I have anxiety social anxiety, and I'm, you know, replaying a conversation in my head that I might've said to someone or, oh my gosh, I thought I looked stupid. Or if I have OCD, I'm not replaying things that might be intrusive thoughts. You know, if I have moral OCD, I'm not replaying, oh my gosh, you know, I think I, I did something bad. I think I said something or did something that was, that was not okay. You're not doing any of that. You're not visiting the past because you're only in the present. And so a lot of anxiety and OCD themes want us to just live in the past. I don't want to say most, but a big chunk want us to live in the future, right? I mean, that's even more heavy than the past. So it's the what ifs for anxiety, you know, and for OCD too, depending on your theme. So, you know, what if I'm walking and a snake pops out or what if I eat this and I get food poisoning or what if. I say this and I look stupid or what if I don't pass this test or what if that's not clean enough or what if I throw up? Right? So anxiety and OCD love to live in the what ifs of these bad things can happen to you. You're not gonna be able to handle it. So a, a big majority of us don't really live in the moment ever. Like if we could listen to other people's dialogues in their heads, what, what are, what are we saying in our head when we're sitting there eating a bowl of cereal or helping our kids with our homework, or, you know, taking a walk around the block. What's your chatter like in your head? What percentage is showing up for that activity? And for most of us, it might be like 20, 30% is showing up for the activity and 70%. If you have anxiety or OCD, I don't know what it's like to not have a brain like that. So maybe it's better for those that don't have that kind of brain. But I know for me, 70% could be a mixture of mundane things I have to do, which is kind of anxiety driven and things that, you know, bad things that can happen. If you really dissect your thoughts, they can, they can really be anxiety producing thoughts. So that's how our kids live. That's not a uniquely adult thing. That's a kid thing, right? And we have the ability to help our kids train their brains in a way that will be harder for us. We're stuck in our ways not to be a Debbie Downer, but it's harder for us to change our habits. It's harder for us to change our thought patterns, our cognitive distortions. That's partly why I love working with kids because it's easier. (laughs) They are more malleable. It is easier to have that neuroplasticity where their brain can bend and change and alter. And that's why they can soak up languages better when they're really young. You know, they can adapt Better than us. Uh, as I get older, I get really set in my ways. Through this grief, I've become really rigid. I want to do things in a very certain, predictable way as a way of coping. Kids are more resilient, so a lot of times we don't really teach our kids these things, or we teach them in a way that I kind of think is boring. <laughs> no offense to anyone who teaches these type of things, but I have gotten my kids books on mindfulness in the past, and they kind of—no offense—they bored me too because my brain is such a, you know, firing on all cylinders in the past that to slow down was, it seemed kind of boring to me. So a lot of people don't see it that way, but a lot of our anxious kids do. So when we teach our kids to live in the moment, we have to really teach them in very concrete ways, you know, so not in this fluffy sort of way, but we have to talk to them about like training their brain and why that's helpful. And so, getting them to first recognize the first step is getting them to recognize that when they live in the what ifs or they live in the past, that that grows their anxiety or OCD. So, if you have listened to me for a while or you've taken any of my online classes, and if you haven't, they're at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Very easy website address. You will know that that's the first thing that we do is we educate our kids because we. We don't get to control what our kids think or even what they do. All we can control is what we teach them. So I always start with educating our kids on the why. Why is this important? So we personify anxiety or OCD unless your child doesn't like that, right? So we talk about your O cloud in my house or squishy or Oh, Sometimes we just, you know, are Mr. Bossy or Mr. Worry. It doesn't matter. Even the teenagers will come up with a dictator. In my book, um, Anxiety Sucks, I talk about it being a dictator. It doesn't matter. I even call my social anxiety paro. So, like, this is not a kid thing. Everybody can personify their anxiety or OCD. I think it really helps. But what we're teaching is that when we do things, we do certain things, it grows our anxiety or OCD. And I kind of equate it to it being fed, right? We're feeding the beast, we're letting it grow, it's growing bigger. So, we want them to understand that part of growing their O Cloud, their Mr. Worry, their Mr. Bossy, their Dictator, whatever, is ruminating and getting stuck in the what ifs, and this is more for anxiety, not for OCD, but when we allow our brain to kind of go into the whole, like what ifs, and we're living in the, the trauma really of what has not happened, then our anxiety grows bigger. So teaching them that when you learn how to train your brain in in a nice way, right. To bring it back to the current thing, that that's a muscle, You know, that's a metaphorical muscle. And this is what I was saying to my son. We've started to walk. Well, I've been walking every day, which you should be impressed with me, even if you don't know me. That's impressive. I'm not even walking for my health, I'm walking to clear my head. And I have found that the desert is really beautiful. And so he is wanting to come with me on the weekends. It's really cute. Like this Sunday, was it? Yeah, it was Sunday. It was yesterday. He like set his alarm, and because I said, you know, if you're sleeping, I'm not going to wake you up. I'm going to just get up early, and I'm going to go. And he set his alarm, and so I heard him wake up, and it was like six something. And he's like, "I'm ready." I'm like, that was really cute. So we were walking, and we started to like just naturally start talking about this. And I told him, you know, now that I'm walking, like I'm not normally I'd put AirPods in, and I would be listening to an audiobook or music. And I said. I don't want to do that because I just want to like, I want to hear the birds. I want to hear my feet crunching on the path. I want to hear the noises of the desert and, you know, he's 11. So that's, but he gets it. You know, I can have these deeper conversations with him. And we talked about how, you know, when your brain is always living in the what ifs that, you know, you're really growing your anxiety and OCD. And he gave some examples of how he's doing that. So start off the conversation like that. If you have a good relationship with your child and they can go a little deep, talk about these things. This may not go down well for a child who's resistant about talking about anything. So this might be something that you won't be able to approach for a while. It depends on your relationship. I have a relationship with all three of my kids where I can kind of talk deep at times um, and they can go there with me pretty easily. So if you have a deep thinker, this will be less... Daunting than if you don't, because we don't want to force this, right? It has to be a natural, organic conversation. And so I was talking to him about how he's really lucky because he's only 11 that he can train his brain easier to do a lot of the things that are harder for me. And so we talked about, I was talking about, you know, one of the things that his dad was working on when his dad passed away was being more connected. And he was actually like in therapy trying to work on. Being in the moment, being more connected to us, you know, he worked, he worked a difficult job, you know, and he, he worked with really difficult crimes and he had to learn how to compartmentalize. And so unfortunately, you know, you shut down or you learn how to live in the moment, but you can have a healthy coping mechanisms and you can have unhealthy ones. And so I know there's regret there. And there's regret on my part too, of not living in the moment. You know, when any one that we love passes away, we have that reflection So it's, it's very raw for my kids because we talk about these things. We talk about, you know, that we want to see silver linings in that it would be good for us all to change the way we, we have our perspectives in life to honor their dad, you know, in a way that he would want us to live. So I have a more eager audience right now because my kids are, they're open to this, you know, because they want, they want to be more connected. They've had a big loss. So I was saying to him, because I know like sometimes he can be obsessive like me and like his dad in the way that we get hooked on something like, okay, well, from now on I have to live in the moment and I can't be thinking about other things when I'm doing this. And so, you know, I'm going to feel really bad when my mind wanders and we're actually talking and I'll go into this in a second. We're actually talking about concrete things. We're not even talking about fears per se right now with him. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about him and electronics. And I'll get into that in a second. So you don't always have to start with the woo-woo big stuff of, you know, you have a thought, you know, you can analyze it and you can just let it pass. Now we're talking about concrete things like gaming, but I'll get to that in a minute. So I said to him, we're going to have thoughts, right? You're going to have what if thoughts, you're going to have the desire to play your video games 24 seven. Like you're going to have that. And sometimes you're going to not be able to resist that. Sometimes you're not going to be in the moment. And that's okay. What you're doing at this age, and this is what I explained to him is you are, you are growing this muscle. It's like going to the gym. You're just building this muscle. And when you build this muscle over time, by the time you're an adult, if you've been working on this muscle, it's going to be very strong. And so it'll be a lot easier for you as a grown up to be in the moment. When you're in the moment, everything is better. Food tastes better conversations sound better. They make you feel better. Experiences are better because you are really living that moment and your relationships are better and your happiness therefore is better. And your anxiety and OCD are lower, not gone. It's not a panacea. It's not a silver bullet, but it's better. And so I was saying to him that he's got a gift that he can work on these things that as a kid, because I think he was misinterpreting it because he said, well, i get off video games. And he like knits these, like the arm knits, those bulky Chanel blankets. My kid is very interesting <laughs> and they're beautiful. And we've been mailing them off to different people in our family, but he was like, well, I'll just get off my video games and I will try to be productive and I'll, I'll arm knit and I'll sell them on Etsy. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm not like putting you into like some, like kid factory. I said, you don't have to be productive. That's not what I'm talking about. It's about practicing these things. Like your only job as a kid is to learn these skills. It's to learn self-regulation. We've talked a lot about that with him. You know, you don't have to be perfect, but like every time you get angry, you get a choice of what what you're going to do with that anger. And you don't have to be perfect. Sometimes you're going to throw something at your sister and you know, you're just going to work on it the next time. So it's the same thing with this. You don't have to go and make a living at 11. What we're talking about is you practicing that muscle. So, we really want to explain that to our kids and to yourself and to me, because I do have an all or nothing mentality majority of the time. And I'm really trying to work on that because it's not healthy, where it's like, okay, this is my new habit, or this is a new thing I'm doing. And so, if I don't do it, then I failed. You know, that perfectionistic quality a lot of our anxious kids have. So, As we talk about this, we definitely want to sprinkle in the notion that this is a way of living, and it's a muscle that is going to take a long time to build, and that's okay. So I'll give you an example about anxious thoughts, and then I want to move into gaming and things like that. What I noticed is as I'm walking, and I don't normally walk alone in the desert, and so that was my old anxiety theme was, you know, it's not safe, it's April, and I just read... (laughs) our HOA sent out an email and it was like, did you know that April has the most snake bites of the entire year? (laughs) Like, like I need that, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's rattlesnake season and they're all out and mainly during the day. So be careful. (laughs) I'm like, so as I'm walking on these desert paths, I worry about snakes. And so I'm living in the what if. And so I will walk like, you know, for five minutes and in my head, I'm already playing okay, I got bit and I'm calling nine one one. Now, do I move? Do I try to get back home or do I just sit here on the path? And so I'm already in crisis mode in my mind because that's what anxiety does. It like, it gives you the full movie all the way to the death. Like I'm, I'm gasping for breath and it's not looking good. You know? And then I like, I snap out of it and I look up and it's like, there's a little hummingbird on the cactus and the wind feels good. And, and I'm living in terror. So helping our kids see that as well as you, um, as well as me, that's a waste of a walk. I'm walking in terror. I'm traumatizing my brain as I'm walking. And how often do our kids do that? How often do you do that? If you have anxiety, I'll be coming down the stairs and I'll have an intrusive thought that I I miss a step and I'm like laying there bloody on the floor, cracked my head open. My kids discover me. I go very dark, very fast. That's my anxious brain, but it robs me. Of it depends. That would be like maybe a 30-second, oh gosh. But for my walk, it could rob the entire walk because it will keep coming back. So I have been practicing when I have those thoughts, I recognize them. I don't get mad that I'm having them, but I say, that's not happening right now. I mean, some people are very like kind to their anxious brain. It's not my style. And so it depends on your style. Some people might say, you know, thank you, brain, for like letting me be aware of the dangers. I like, for me, my style is better to like, I see my anxiety more as like a, an enemy (laughs) and that, and, and that, that is not for everybody. So you take your approach. That's okay. It's like, whatever works for you or whatever works for your kids. But I say what does help for me, and it will be different for each one of you is it's not happening right now. And that's kind of been a mantra that I use with myself. And what I use with my kids is, is it happening right now? And I have found that in times of really heightened stress in my life, where something major has happened, a huge loss, like the one we're going through right now. I mean, I've never had anything as major as this, but in the past where my world seemed to be crumbling, didn't know what crumbling was until now, but I would ask myself, is it happening right now? If I had all these worries about, Oh my gosh, how are we going to live life? Or how, how am I going to be able to do this? Or like, Just basic stuff. Like if my router goes out, what am I going to do? You know, like my mind's swirling now. I bring back my thoughts and I just say, is it happening now? And if the answer is no, then I shelf it. It's not happening now. And especially if it's something that may not happen, right? So if it's a test that your child's taking and it's not happening now, but they need to study for it, that's different. But when we have an anxious thought that, oh my gosh, someone's going to break into our house or what if I see a snake on the path? Or what if I throw up, is it happening now? And if the answer is no, then I'm letting it go. And I'm not going to forcefully let it go. I'm just going to redirect my focus on the things that are important, you know, kind of like an acceptance commitment therapy type of way act, you know, just smush everything together, whatever works for me. So just bring it back to the birds are chirping. The path is beautiful. The wind is blowing. You are safe. Nothing is happening now. And it grounds me. And then I refocus my attention. And so teaching our kids how to do that that's amazing. I mean, if they can learn how to do that, you can definitely see where that would help their anxiety and OCD, right? Because it is, it is similar to approaches that we use with anxiety and OCD with intrusive thoughts, recognizing the thought and just saying, I get you. I see that you're there, but I'm focusing on this right now. And this is more interesting to me. So living in the moment, living in the now has really reduced my anxiety because I'm having to say that to myself all the time. More than ever, because my brain is like, oh my gosh, you know what? You didn't think about that. You know, your husband used to always do that for you. Or, oh my gosh, you can't go there anymore because who's going to drive and who's going to do all that stuff that he normally did. And for me, I just say, is it happening right now? And the answer is no. So I'm letting it go because what's happening right now is I'm eating this toast. And what's happening in an hour is I am picking my kids up. And that's all I'm not gonna have to think about right now. And that's all I'm gonna do. It's grief survival, but it's also this new way that I've been living that I'm like, I kind of like this part. I don't like anything else. And it's it's pretty excruciating. So you gotta look for the silver linings in life. But I do like this whole idea of living in the moment and being connected. I feel more connected to my kids than I have ever felt before because for the first time I am fully awake, I am fully present, I am balancing my priorities. And I'm giving everything I do, 100% of my attention. And it's funny because even though my husband wasn't really in the moment, and that's something that he recognized and it's something he struggled with, when he would do the laundry, this is just so random. When he would do the laundry, I would go in because he did it on the weekends when I worked in my practice. It was really good that way. Like we really balanced, and this is this is why I'm struggling. He really took a lot of the responsibility away from me. So when he would fold the laundry. I would look at it, and it was like, "Perfect. Like the folds were beautiful, the sheets, oh my gosh, how do you fold sheets? And I would say to him, "How do you fold these sheets?" I mean, I've actually watched YouTube videos on how to fold sheets, and he would say, "I just have longer arms." He was very humble. I just have longer arms. If you had longer arms, you'd be able to fold it. But that's not true, because he really for for all that he didn't live in the now and being connected, he really did when he was doing a task, he was. He was all into that task. When I do laundry, I'm hurrying up because I'm thinking, oh, I have to record this podcast or I have some emails I have to answer when I get off and I have to like put the kids to bed. Like my mind is already in the future and I'm already feeling crunched for time. And so I would fold them, but not in a beautiful way. And with sheets, I would literally, I'd ball them up (laughs) to a way that I could crunch them down and make them look like they were like quasi folded. And I would just put them back, you know, like that was, that's the best it was going to get. And his, his laundry was beautiful because he was fully in the laundry mode when he was doing it. The problem is when he didn't have a task, he was just doing word searches on his iPad or playing candy crush. It was never like fully in a conversation. He was checked out, but I always, I always looked at his laundry. And so even for laundry, I've slowed down. I'm like, I have I'm not rushing. Where am I going? Right. If I don't get to what I had have to get to next, then I'll do it tomorrow. There's always the next day. So I'm not going to worry about him. So I just thought that was interesting. So teaching our kids to do that is a gift. Now they're not going to do it perfectly. We're not going to do it perfectly. I'm not doing it perfectly. Now there are times where I get lost in something or there's times where I know I'm not present. There's times where I can't be. There's times where like, I just have to be able to multitask two things because somebody's texting me and someone's talking to me at the same time. You know, maybe my kid's talking to me and someone's texting me and I focus on both for a second. But it's the intention, right? And and that's really what we want to teach our kids is it's the intention. It's not doing things perfect. It's not never living in the past or the or the future. But it's it's having the attention of trying to give your full attention to whatever you're doing so that you are fully present. And you can practice these things. I mean, and I don't think you need me to tell tell you how to do mindfulness or how to be in the now. There's a zillion different podcast episodes and not mine, but websites. I mean, it's a popular topic. I just wanted to give you more of a personal view on this and how it also impacts anxiety and OCD. But I have had kids who have had anxiety and OCD use distraction as their number one coping mechanism. In fact, I would have to say most people most kids will tell me that that's their number one way of dealing with it is distraction. Distraction's not a good coping mechanism. Acceptance of the thought and then refocusing your attention on something that you enjoy is okay. But you're not trying to get your mind off of that thought. You're just moving your attention back to something else. And um kind of forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> it was happening a lot. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like lose my thoughts. So I think it's really important though. I don't even know where I was going. So I'm not gonna rewind, I'm just gonna go with it. To teach our kids how to like train their brain. I think that's really important. But I do want to talk about also. Concrete things, so gaming, like that's a conversation that we talk about in my house. Or when your kids are obsessive, so my son loves he loves Roblox right now, and he's very obsessive. He's an obsessive person, and so he's like very plugged in. And he will watch Roblox, and he'll pop up his iPad and he'll be watching a cartoon or something as he's playing Roblox. So he always has something going on in the background, and I could micromanage that. I could tell him that he can't play his video games. He can only play a couple of hours a day. And I could tell him he can't watch TV. And that's a viable option that the majority of parents might choose. Um, and no judgment. You know, I, I am really one of those people where I'm like, you do, you I'll do me and everybody's different. Right. So I like, I have no judgment for how people parent, you know, as long as they're not abusive or neglectful, And I, and I respect that everyone's going to approach parenting in a different way and that's okay. Right. I really don't like judgy podcasts or judgy blogs or judgy people. So my thought in raising my kids so don't judge me, (laughs) my thought is I want my kids to have, I want them to learn how to regulate themselves. I want them to know how to choose healthy choices when they eat because they want to, or I want them to choose to get off their electronics because they need to. and you know, that may or may not work out <laughs> because some kids just don't know when to stop. And, um, some parents do have to put some really good restrictions on there. And that's not what this episode is about. As a side note, if you ever struggle with that, a really good resource is iParent parent Um, Dr. Adam Platter, I've had him on the podcast and he, um, his resources, you can check them out. I think he has a free course, um, and some paid courses and some articles. And he really is kind of the go-to person on how to rein your kids in when it comes to electronics and social media and gaming, all that kind of stuff. So um, he has really, really good tips. But going back to what I was saying, you know, my style is to teach my kids like, and this is what I said to my son. Look, I could force you to not be on the computer. I could say you have to only be on the computer for a certain period of time, and then you have to get off and I could like, you know, micromanage you. And maybe I should, and maybe I really should, um, to be honest life is just too overwhelming right now to even think about pretty much anything but i said to him i much rather you learn how to control yourself and how to make these decisions for yourself and i'm here to help guide you and coach you but ultimately if i manage you if i micromanage you as you get older the minute you get into high, I mean college, you're and you're alone. You're going to go right back to those old habits. It's like going to be like woohoo, this freedom, and you're not going to have learned how to balance your priorities, how to know when you've had too much. And so we had this conversation with him. I, I had this conversation with him as I was walking because I said you're not even in the moment when you're playing your games. You're, you've got your video game up, and then you are watching your iPad. You're not even fully enjoying the video game. I said you can start with just turning off your iPad. And so we talked about that. And luckily he is, he's a good kid, you know, and he wants, he wants to improve himself. And so he said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to turn my iPad off. Um, like he understood what I was trying to say. And I was saying, basically you're training your brain to have too much stimulus. Like it needs all this input. And so when we're in the car and you don't have anything like you're bored because your brain isn't used to having any, it's, it's not used to having no input. It's constantly getting input and chatter. So helping him understand that it's a seed. Is it going to change him overnight? No, but we did talk about like different things he could do to be more balanced and to be more connected and to be in more activities. And and he's working on it. It's it's something I'll have to keep watching, but I'm not going to babysit it. We're just going to have more and more conversations about this because he's only 11 and he can he can develop these tools. The other thing that we've been talking about And these are all kind of random and they'll be different for you and your kids. And you'll know what things to maybe talk to them about is like pausing what they're doing when I'm talking and not in a, you know, old school authoritative sort of way. Like you look at me when I'm talking, but it's more about how often are we not even fully connected when we're talking? How often are you watching your iPad or playing a game? And I'm talking and you don't even, your eyes don't even move up from the screen this was a big pet peeve of mine with my husband. And so some of this, we're all trying to evolve and do better, be better. But I said, let's, it's so nice when someone just pauses whatever they're doing, whether it's like literally pausing what they're doing or pausing whatever activity they're doing and gives you your full attention because it makes you feel valued. It makes you feel heard. So not coming from a rule-based authoritative from now on, when I talk to you, I want you to pause your stuff and you better give me eye contact. It's coming from a softer approach of. This is a great skill for us to develop right now because when you know you have a partner when you're older or a boss or a friend, like these are just really you're going to enjoy the conversation more because you're fully in the conversation. So we talked about that, um, and he's really trying. And I'm talking mainly about him because I was the most concerned about him. He lives his anxiety and OCD are off the chart, so it can definitely help him learn how to train his brain better. We talked about how. You know, like when he he has ARFID, which is like avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, but really it's just a fancy name for he has intrusive thoughts. Or diff, well, that's not what ARFID is. ARFID could be many different things, but for him, he worries he's going to choke when he's eating right now, and um, that's his current thing. But it morphs and changes. It's around food, and I said to him, you know, you're not even doing exposures when you eat something that's kind of chewy, and you're challenging yourself. You're always like distracting yourself, trying to watch TV, and that's really giving into your OCD, because you're not fully emerging in that experience of saying, I'm chewing this chewy thing and I'm swallowing it. And I'm able to do this without giving into the compulsion to spit it out. So teaching our kids that even when they're doing exposures or challenges, if they're not fully in the challenge or fully in the exposure and they're distracting themselves with their thoughts or the TV, they're not really lifting a heavy weight going back to the gym metaphor, but for exposures and challenges that when you're really in that experience and you're really pushing back on your anxiety or OCD, you're pushing through your fears. You have to fully immerse yourself in that for that to get the full effect. Um, so we want to share that. So I'm trying to, let me look at my notes. That's pretty much where we're at. And so just to kind of recap, I think starting off talking to your child about how anxiety and OCD will have them live in the past or the present, the, excuse me, the past or the future, right? So the what ifs or the what dids, and maybe even coming up with a mantra for them of, is it happening now? I like that as an anxiety and OCD tool. Is it happening now? No. Um, you have to be careful with OCD because OCD can, anything can turn into a compulsion. And so You just have to be really cognizant of that. Um, We don't want them to have any kind of rituals where they always have to ask themselves that. So I'm gearing that more towards anxiety. Is this happening now for weird, for, for worries? I was gonna say weird. I don't know why for fears. I was gonna say fears and worries. And I think my brain was just like, let's just call it weird. (laughs) It is weird. It can feel weird, but for those fears and worries, is it happening now? And if it's not happening now, I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to be holding on to it. Um, I'm going to let that pass. And that's hard. It will come back and knock on your door again. And you just say, yeah, we already talked and that's not happening now, but what is happening now? And I'm going to refocus. I'm going to ask myself that question. What is happening now? So even if that's all you got from this podcast is just that mantra and that, that tip, and it's super, super simple, but sometimes the simplistic things are the things that are most effective. So if you can even teach your kids to train their brain to do that, that is actually living in the now. That is teaching them mindfulness in a very concrete way that will help their anxiety and OCD. And then you can do the other stuff that we talked about, whichever resonated with you. So I hope you're enjoying my podcast. If you're enjoying it, please don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, wherever you consume your podcast. That really helps. And if you have time to leave a comment, I really appreciate that. And to show my appreciation, I always try to end my show reading some of them. I want to thank Lama Mama for saying your strength is inspiring. I appreciate that. And I want to read Crystal Lee wrote, I found this podcast eye-opening and learning to help my daughter deal with her anxiety. She was in therapy for months looking for a new one now, but the strategies I've learned here have benefited her more than her therapist. We lost my brother suddenly last month. And I'm so sorry to hear that who all of my children were very close with. And I'm finding you so relatable in the most unfortunate way. Thank you for your insight and praying for you and your family. And thank you. And I'm praying for yours too. And I'm so sorry that you guys have to experience that, have to experience that. I really wouldn't wish grief on anybody. It is, it is torture. And I hope that your kids and you are doing okay. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I actually forgot. I was going to tell you one more thing really quick. I am doing my free uh, survival tools series starting May 6th. So that's in a few weeks. I've done it before and I'm going to do it twice a year. So I'll do my self-care series twice a year. I'll do my survival tools series twice a year. And if you haven't caught them or if you want to watch them again, you can sign up. This is giving parents who are raising kids with anxiety and OCD some quick fast wins and talking to you about all the the tools that are really important that you need in your arsenal to help you raise a child with anxiety and OCD. So You can sign up for that. If you want to just text the word survival tools to the number 44222, you can sign up that way, or you can go to the series page and sign up. And the series page is called at parenting, survival series.com. There you go. Okay. Well, I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care.